Good evening, folks. It's uh, such a joy to be here again and uh, to look around and see some known faces and some not so well known, but uh, it's nice to be here. Um, just to fill in a little bit more of the, my story, because uh, I was down in Dublin this morning, and even after giving a talk, people were still, so where exactly are you from? You know, I can't place your accent. I can't, um, you said you're from Scotland, and uh, I have one of those life stories that usually takes about 20 minutes to explain, but I'll give you the, the potted version. Uh, I was born in Belfast, so I am from here. I grew up in Antrim. My father was pastor of Antrim Baptist back in the 70s and 80s. We then moved to Scotland. I came back to Queens, and from there uh, went to the mission field, first in working in North Africa and uh, towards North Africa, and latterly, as Gordon said, uh, working with Baptist missions in Spain. So it's a joy to be here, and uh, although we'd like to just share a little bit more specifically of our ministry in the south of Spain, in Algeciras, uh, also as representative of Baptist Missions, um, just to thank you for your support and encourage you uh, to keep on um, remembering the different needs. Uh, there are always challenges, uh, and I think uh, one of our greatest challenges is, is how to grow, because there, there's plenty of work um, I used to joke with Gordon uh, when he was director of Baptist Missions. I said, if you could send us four church planting couples, we could employ them overnight. Um, we're still waiting, but keep praying. Um, but it's lovely to be here. Uh, as Gordon said, we're uh, working in the south of Spain, in the town of Algeciras, where Andrew and Ruth Reed. I'm aware that many of you will know them, but some may not be so familiar with the needs of the country. We tend to think of Spain as a tourist destination. Is there anyone here who actually hasn't ever been to Spain? Very, very few. Um, usually it's about 50% say they have been, and now only about three say they haven't. So either people are just lazy to lift their hands, or I don't know. But uh, we do know it as a tourist destination, but it is a country of 45 million people, uh, and 80% of them still claim to be Roman Catholic. It's a very nominal Roman Catholicism. Uh, the Spanish themselves, they joke that the average Spaniard goes three times in his life to church for his uh, baptism, first communion, and his funeral. And... Uh, most of them readily admit, of those 80%, 60% say they never go to church. Uh, but it's still very much part of their identity as Spaniards. To be, their mindset is to be Spanish is to be Catholic. And, uh, and so that in itself creates a, a hindrance to the gospel. Uh, within that country, about certainly less than 1%, probably around about half a percent, are evangelical Christians. Um, we have a couple who came to work with us a couple of years ago. They're from the well, their home church is in the north of England. And when they were trying to raise support, they had a lot of people saying, well, some people in the church saying, why are we supporting them? Spain, it's like they just want a nice life. You know, sun and beach. And yet it would surprise many to know that there's more Christians in Egypt than there are in Spain. And yet I don't know many people who would doubt that Egypt is a needy mission field. So you can remember this generally next time you're on holiday or just remembering that country. There are Still today, thousands of towns and villages across Spain with no evangelical church of any shape or form. So it's a tremendous need. And of those churches that do exist, like the one we're working with, uh, certainly well over 70% um, have less than 50 members. They're small churches with limited resources. Uh, as many of you know, Spain has been uh, particularly badly affected by the whole economic crisis in recent years. Give an idea of where we are in, in Cadiz province, unemployment is running 34%. And there's actually a town nearby, which is, I think, the, the worst in Spain, 42% level of unemployment. So you can imagine if you translate that into church, to give you an idea, the church where we're working has a membership of 37. And uh, 
excluding the, the foreign missionaries who are working with the church, only four people have regular jobs. So you can imagine the challenges to move forward a church and a ministry uh, when you have so few, so little resources and income. So do remember us as we pray for there. Um, I'll go through this part fairly quickly because I don't think uh, this family need too many introductions here. Uh, but just to encourage you, continue to pray for Andrew and Ruth. Um, uh, I will say, apart from the possible sort of dynamics of uh, definitions of associate workers or whatever, uh, we personally tremendously miss Andrew and Ruth. Uh, we were, they were a great support to us during the years they were in Algeciras. But at the same time, I think particularly the ministry that Andrew involved in is, is such a key and urgent ministry need in Spain as a whole and of the training of pastors and leaders and theological education. Uh, the, the federation of churches that, that both ourselves and the Reed partner with, uh, about 50% of the pastors or leading elders admit that they've had either no theological education of any shape or form or have begun some course but never finished. Um, so it's a tremendous need and do, do remember them. And also ourselves, this is uh, my family. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife is from Brazil, uh, from Rio de Janeiro. We actually just returned from there on Wednesday. Um, so my body's still sort of part on Brazilian time and part on Spanish time. So making that mix, it's about siesta time for me. So if I nod off in the middle of talking, uh, be patient and I'll, I'll get there. But uh, I have two daughters, Rebecca, who's 13, Natalie, nine. They were both born in Spain. And uh, we just ask you to remember us as a family. Um, the past year has been... A time of challenge for us. Uh, last summer, my mother-in-law passed away. My wife was home for a month, was called back suddenly, and her mom passed away. My father had a heart attack at the end of the year. Uh, and then Rebecca, sort of in the first half of this year, was experiencing a lot of challenges in school and just, just wrestling with, I think, being a teenager and being a foreigner and being a missionary kid and uh, just a lot of complex issues there. So we do value your prayers for us as a family. Uh, I will say, because I'll probably forget later on, um, normally we like to have some photos just for people to take away to remember us. I haven't had time to get them printed yet, but we will do that and I'll, I'll make sure via Gordon or somehow we'll get some to the church so you can just remember to pray for us in our work in Algeciras. But just to give a quick review, for those of you who don't know, this is our town of Algeciras. Uh, just to see here, this is Gibraltar, probably known to many of you. Algeciras here. And in the distance is Morocco. So we're very much in the southern part of Spain. As you'll see from the map, uh, right on the southern coast, we can see Morocco. And what that creates as well is very much a uh, cultural corridor where we have in the city quite a number of Moroccans. It's also a place where, it's where Africa meets Europe. It's where the Western world meets the Arab world. And so quite a lot of cross-cultural elements. And uh, even in our church recently, we're seeing a number of Moroccans, a number of Nigerians, uh, Latin Americans, uh, North European immigrants. So quite a mixture uh, in both the city and Spain as a whole. Just a little bit about the church. This is the church that we're working with. It's called Renacer, which is called Rebirth. Uh, this photo is one on the exterior, on the right. Uh, it's a former shop uh, where you don't have the privilege in Spain or most places that I know where churches have their own plot of land and, and that freedom. But we're there in the neighborhood. Uh, on the right, it looks probably a larger congregation than would be normal on a Sunday. That was a special event, and this was a family service. But we would normally have, on a Sunday morning, uh, congregate about 60 people, including children, teenagers, um, and so on. What's been very encouraging, and I said that the past year has been a year of a lot of challenges for us as a family. There's been difficulties in the church as well. 
but also great encouragements. And uh, I want to really encourage you to, to be praying, not just for us as a family, but praying for the work in Spain. As we start to see some growth, we start to see things that we've been praying for for years. Uh, one example, um, around December time, we had a man uh, just come into the church. And as far as we can remember, he's the first person who has literally just walked in off the street with never having had any contact with the church or with members of the church through any form. And he just walked in. His first words to me when somebody brought him to me and said, this is Andrew. His first, he didn't even say hello. His first, he says, I need your help. My brother wants to commit suicide. Um, and I was kind of taken aback. I didn't quite know what to say initially. Um, it turns out as we got to know him, uh, the brother was serious problems with drugs. Um, but Jose Luis, uh, even though his brother has rejected any help we've tried to give, has started coming and back in May at our church retreat, um, give his life to the Lord. Uh, and so that may be a small thing here, but it's tremendously encouraging uh, as we see people starting to be brought into the congregation. And regularly on a Sunday, we would have non-Christians in the congregation and uh, really starting to see some growth. So we're encouraged. Some of the different ministries, uh, some of this for reasons of time, I'm not going to go into too many details, but uh, about four years ago, we began house groups. Um, Again, in Spain, the evangelical church is seen as a sect, uh, very often lumped in together with Jehovah Witnesses, with Mormons. Um, And so people are always, very often, there's this hesitancy of even to walk into the building. And uh, so we started house groups. This was a special meeting, actually, the photo in the middle uh, was together with, there was a Baptist women's team came in May. Some of you will have heard about that. Uh, They put on a special event and they had over 50 ladies in attendance. And again, a good number of them non-believers. And these groups have uh, started off as Bible study groups in the house. We started with a ladies group, a men's group, and a young adults group. Uh, We now have two ladies groups and they're planning a third, to begin a third group by the end of the year. So the ladies are setting the pace. Uh, The men, we're still sort of bumbling along trying to catch up. Um, And the young adults group sort of goes up and down because we have a dynamic being a small town where very often uh, teenagers who grow up get to a certain stage and then either move away for work reasons or for studies and sadly the vast majority never return. Um, But that's where we are and uh, so we pray for these groups. Um, I'm not going to talk about Carmen but one of the areas which I'd like to mention which we have seen real growth and see how the Lord has used this in recent years is our children's ministry. Uh, I know many churches here uh, have a a long history of running holiday Bible schools. Uh, We started just four years ago. We had our first. uh, The Spanish were like, what's this? Can't do this. This doesn't work here. Um, But with the help of a Baptist youth team uh, that came out to help us, uh, we began with 18 children every day. That went up to 35 the following year. And last year we had 60 children uh, every day um, coming along between teenagers and children. And uh, probably over half of those children with no church connections at all. So we're really encouraged of how this is providing doors into different families. I'd like you, just as an example, uh, you know, one of my big frustrations in deputation is how do you sum up a year or several years in 20 minutes? Um, and there are many things. But I'd like to introduce you to one person. Uh, this wee fella here is called Sammy. Sammy is... Uh, kind of special for us for two reasons. Uh, First of all, since we moved into our new building seven years ago, 
we've always been praying that, that the neighbors, people from the neighborhood would, would come into the church and start to be get involved uh, with us. And Sammy and his sister, Omaima, were the first children from our neighborhood to just basically just walk in. I mean, we'd seen them in the street and, and said hello. Uh, it was actually two years ago. Uh, on a Sunday evening, we were projecting uh, the final of the European Cup when Spain uh, won their second trophy beating Italy. And so he stuck his head in the door and, oh, what's this? And, and came in. And so we invited him to the holiday Bible school. And so he came the next day and attended the whole week. Um, so he's special for that reason, but not to make exception of person. Uh, he's also special to us because he's actually from Muslim background. And um, it's been very interesting over the past couple of years see how the Lord has started to open doors. Uh, I've never met the mother. Um, I've met his father. But the fact that they allowed the children to come along. But with Sammy, they told him, well, you can go, but you're not allowed to sing. Okay? So he's allowed to come along, but he's not allowed to sing. Uh, and it's actually very funny to watch him because he's, you can just see he's bursting. He wants to sing with all the other kids. But uh, he started coming along. And uh, interestingly, he's actually started to bring friends along in subsequent years. He's brought other kids from the neighborhood. Uh, but during that week, um, or sorry, it was last year when he came for the second time, uh, one of the days we were sort of uh, going over the lessons for the day and one of the monitors, just asking the kids the questions as we do and asking, uh, why did Jesus come? Simple question. Of course, all the kids with their hands up. And uh, I wasn't actually there. It was my wife uh, told us this. But she was just almost praying that the, the, the tutor would, would choose Sammy. And she, she pointed out to Sammy and he stood up and he said, Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. And Rosalia shares... Anybody who's ever been involved in the holiday Bible school knows it's a huge amount of work. But she said, a whole week's effort, it was worth it just to hear a Muslim child stand up and verbally confess that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. And I just ask you to pray for Sami. And since they've started coming, um, we've seen quite a number of other Muslim children and even some adults coming along to the church. And I would ask you to pray for us that we know how to how to receive them, how to minister to their lives. Uh, we actually, in our, our church retreat this year, we had 10 people from Muslim background in our church. We had one lady who came along. She brought her daughter. She brought her daughter's friend, teenage daughters. Um, she had also, at Christmas time, brought a friend, another Moroccan friend, along to our children's program. It's a lady with four children. Um, so, I don't know how much you know, but this is mind-blowing. This is... Uh, I know, with all due respect, I know Christians, I know church members who have never brought somebody along to church, in our church. This is a Moroccan lady bringing Moroccan friends to an evangelistic service. It's just uh, hard to get our heads around. But I ask you to pray that the Lord gives us wisdom to know how to minister to these people, um, how to receive them, and how to minister in a way that will, uh, they will be able to hear the gospel, but at the same time, because of the social pressures and the dynamics of family and and pressures, uh, at least there will not be an exaggerated amount of, of, of pressure. Uh, we think of this one lady who, you know, if it was known that she was attending church or got out that she had become a Christian, there could be quite serious consequences even from her own husband. So do pray for them and pray for folks like, like Sammy and many of the other kids. Just to give another example of how the Lord has used this ministry to open doors, uh, this is uh, Antonio and Pepe and their three daughters. 
Uh, again, a couple who have become very special to us. Two years ago, Antonio brought his daughters. Uh, Pepe works for uh, one of the church members, has a cleaning business. She works for him. And through his invitation, they brought the girls along to Holiday Bible School. And Antonio, uh, being a good Spaniard, he brought his girls along, left them at the door, but he wouldn't enter the building. And, uh, you know, we'd invite him along. He was, he was always very friendly. We'd invite him in, but he wouldn't step inside the building. He'd come and pick them up. But uh, anyway, on the Sunday... Um, we usually have a closing service and we invite the parents along and have a meal together and uh, so Antonio eventually he came inside the building but he wouldn't attend the service um, so he stayed back in the kitchen and was helping chop up lettuce and tomatoes and so on getting ready for the food but just during that time just, just the, the contact with the church people just really encouraged him and, uh, and so he started coming along to church and so this was early July in August he gave his life to the Lord and again, we've just been very encouraged recently seeing a number of people with a relatively short space of time, first contact with the gospel, responding to the gospel message. Following that, we were actually on holiday at the time. We came back and we started visiting Pepe as well. She has a background in the occult. Um, she used to do tarot card reading. And, uh, you know, she was known in the neighborhood. People would seek her out uh, just to have her sort of read their future and so on. But through a series of visits and ministering to her life in October of that year, uh, she also gave her life to the Lord, and that we're actually hoping that the end of next month they're both going to be baptized. So very encouraging, uh, but do pray for them. Uh, their eldest daughter, Andrea, the girl on the right, uh, she has a de- degenerative disease, and uh, they live sort of constantly under the pressure that uh, she may not be with them very long. She actually, this year, they find they detected two tumors in her brain. And, uh, but the thing that's encouraged us is one day Rosalie was talking with Pepe and she said, you know, if this had happened before I knew the Lord, I would just be devastated. She says, but now I trust that God will be glorified in this situation. And I think that's, that was tremendous. Uh, some of the folk who've joined the Baptist youth teams that we've had, I remember last year they said, I just can't get over Antonio because one year they'd seen him, he wouldn't come into the building. And the next year he was helping at the Holiday Bible School. So a real challenge uh, and encouragement. I mentioned earlier on... Um, that in Spain there are thousands of towns without any Christian witness. Uh, these are four towns that are near to us. Uh, the one that's closest is this town here called Alcalá de los Gazules. Uh, if any of you uh, receive Mission Line, uh, we've at different times mentioned these towns. Uh, but I highlight them, and again, this is a, this is a, a topic for prayer. We've, as a church, we've been uh, seeking to pray for these towns. We've done different evangelistic programs. Uh, last summer, for example, we took a team. And I remember the, the first time we went to Alcala, I'd see some of the Spanish folk from the church were saying, oh, you know, if you go there, people there are really hard. You know, oh, they're, they're really Catholic out there. They're really resistant. You know, you know it'll be tough, you know, and so on. And uh, we went there last year with the, with the summer team the young folk from the church, and uh, they were in the park when they were doing the games with the children with the parachute, and there was two ladies called me over, and they, said, they sort of, you know, that typical Spanish, you know, you know, called me over and said, are you with these people here? And I said, uh, yes. He said, have you spoken to the council? And I said, no. And they said, well, you know, if you want to be here, you should really speak to the council. So I was expecting, you know, here's problems, because to do anything publicly in Spain, you normally need permission from the town council, and it's often very hard to get it. Uh, so I was expecting to have a bit of a battle. 
And then suddenly they said to me, said, you know, you really should go and speak to the council because if you do that, they could bring television cameras down here and they could record what you're doing and give publicity. And when are you coming back? And, you know, it's great that you're here. And, uh, you know, these towns have nothing for children. And I was almost didn't know what to say. And I uh, actually had a great chance to share with them. But it just made me think. I thought, hard? Resistant? You know, sometimes we, we convince ourselves that people don't want to hear to almost excuse our not going to tell them. Um, and that's not a Spanish phenomenon, that's, that can be anywhere. So we're very encouraged, but uh, so I would ask you to pray. Um, we would love to start a, a more permanent work uh, in one of these towns, but we'd love to start in all of these towns uh, to see it's a combined population of about 40,000 people and there's still no established church in any one of these towns. And so do pray for us, pray that the Lord would raise up the resources, um, because as a church at the minute we just don't have uh, to be able to start something. Pray that the Lord would raise up people. We actually have a couple of uh, different contacts we have who may be interested in coming and, and, and working alongside us, and also in conjunction with other teams that we've had come out from Ireland. So do, do pray for us in this, that we would know how to uh, use our resources, but really see the gospel begin to impact these times. These are again just some photos from a uh, our visit there last summer. Just very quickly, a couple of other areas we've been involved with the church, uh, just social work and food distribution. Um, this is somewhere else that's opened many doors for the gospel. Uh, when we started, we were attending about 10 families. We now have 45 families on the list that we're seeking to, to reach out to. Uh, my wife's coordinating that, which is probably what caused some of her back pain that she's been experiencing recently. Um, but we've seen again how the Lord has opened doors into many families. And another area, as I mentioned before, uh, over the past couple of years have really begun to see uh, the Lord opening doors into the Muslim community. This wasn't a specific sort of planned outreach on behalf of the church. Um, it began with some of the ladies in the church just getting to know some of the Moroccan ladies. And I would encourage you, uh, I don't know what size the Muslim population is in Belfast, uh, but I was chatting with somebody this morning in Dublin, and I've long felt this is, this is a great time for the church in Europe to reach out to their Muslim neighbors. Because of all that's gone on over the past years, the mistrust. Um, I don't know about you, but how many of you know when you see people in full Muslim wear, you know, dress, there's, there's something inside. Like, mm, don't know about them. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for the church to show love just the love of Christ, get to know them, befriend them, treat them like people. And I think that's actually been one of the things, because historically there's a lot of prejudice between the Spanish and the Moroccans, and just showing a bit of love, showing interest in them as people has actually opened great opportunities. Uh, this couple, the, the kids on the right, uh, we got to know them through, it was through the food distribution, we were taking food to one lady and we met their mother. Uh, she was actually last year expelled from Spain, but they were allowed to stay there's actually an American family in the church have fostered them. And uh, it's been quite an incredible thing. Uh, it's uh, even the social workers said to, to Mark and, and Sarah, this couple, says, I don't know how this has been possible. This, this, the way it happened, just, it doesn't work like that. Um, and it's been very special to see them uh, just coming along to church, becoming part of church, even attending prayer meetings and praying. Uh, and that's Nabila and Hamza. So do pray for them. Just very quickly, just some opportunities for 
uh, partnership, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I've been in holiday Spain, but I'd like to get a bit more involved. I'd like to do something more. Um, over the past years, and we hope again next year, we've had Baptist youth teams come out, which has been a tremendous blessing and tremendous help to us. Uh, we've had church teams, and we're always open to talk. If you think, well, maybe uh, this year we had a team from the Hollywood and Bangor churches came out for five days, and we just did some different uh, work in the streets and different outreach events. And we had the Baptist women's team, as I mentioned, and, and we hope to repeat that uh, next year. Uh, and also, this, this is one I would particularly commend to your prayers. Uh, just for, we've been for a couple of years talking and looking at the possibilities of starting some sort of year team or six to nine month program where there would be an element of training but also involved in evangelism and we're still, we're still there, we're still hoping to see that uh, and we'd value your prayers for that and even just the need for more long term missionaries uh, so we do again thank you, I want to thank you again for the, the invitation, the chance to be here and uh, just again ask you to pray generally for the work in Spain I know this has been very quick, it's a quick overview, but uh, we do appreciate it. And if any of you are ever, and I say this genuinely, I don't know if, uh, if people always believe I'm genuine when I say this, but I'm absolutely genuine. If you're ever on holiday in the south of Spain, just come along and see us on a Sunday. You know, get my email right, we're, we're going to turn up on Sunday, can you give us directions to the church? And it's just, it's encouraging to us, it's encouraging to the church, just to sometimes get that visit. Um, every week or practically every week we are translating the services into English because we have Nigerian people coming along, so you wouldn't be putting anybody out. And uh, so if you're ever in, on holiday in the south of Spain, it comes a Sunday, say, where am I going to go to church? Okay, Algeciras is the place you need to be, okay? Um, but we do just value your prayers uh, for us as a family. I mentioned earlier on some of the needs for us. Uh, as Gordon said earlier on, uh, we work as associate workers with Baptist Missions. That's one of the reasons I'm really keen to keep recruiting people, either these teams, to, as Gordon said, to have somebody to be associated with again. Uh, but we feel very much a part uh, of the mission family and what's going on there. Um, being associate workers, we do need to raise uh, our own support, and we would ask your prayers for that. Uh, we had one particular hiccup last year that my home church in Edinburgh actually closed its doors and no longer exists. So that's been quite a challenge for us. Um, uh, but we have uh, sort of renewed links with a church over here in Antrim. But we do value your prayers for us. I would ask your prayers very specifically. I could, uh, if I can be, say one thing over the next two weeks, I would ask you to pray for Rebecca, uh, our daughter. She had a wonderful time in Brazil this summer. Um, got to know a lot of the young folk there and I think even picked up a couple of admirers along the way. She certainly had two phone calls already since we've been home from guys. Um, so, but, uh, but seriously, she, she struggled last year. Um, she has never had girlfriends of her age in the church and struggles a lot with loneliness and just with her identity there. So I would really ask you to pray for her. Um, obviously, the rest of us need your prayers as well. But particularly for Rebecca, if any of you would take that up before the Lord, just to remember her. So thank you again. As Gordon said before, I'm not in any rush away afterwards, so I'm really happy just to chat. Perhaps uh, just as we finish, uh, Gordon asked me if I was going to preach. I'll not. Um, but perhaps just, uh, just a little verse or something just to encourage us. Um, one, one of the sections of the scriptures that I just love returning to time and time and time again is Acts chapter 8 to, to 11. I'm not going to read it all. Um, well known to many of you were the, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch and then Cornelius. And this was, this was an absolutely mind-blowing time for the early church. I mean, this was stretching them to the limits and taking them beyond anything they'd known or understood before. 
But at the beginning of chapter 11, we, we read an interesting thing. If you want at home, you can read chapter 10 and the story of how the gospel uh, came to the family of a Roman centurion. I mean, this was like the worst of the worst. You know, this was somebody who had you know, no right to even hear the gospel, let alone accept it. And yet the Lord uh, used Peter in that situation. And we read an interesting thing. He says, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. If you read that just as it is, you would expect that this should be a motive for absolute celebration of just mind-blowing sort of, wow, this is happening in our day. Um, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 is a verse well known by, by many when Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. This phrase, all nations, uh, has often been debated, the, the, the translation, and um, I think translations have often been sort of fabricated to, to justify very sort of elaborate schemes um, about people groups and ethnic groups and so on. Um, I'm personally more convinced, uh, I read first of this Martin Goldsmith, that the phrase ta'etne, what Jesus was actually saying was, go into all the world and preach to the Gentiles. Now, obviously, within that, there's, a, there's an inclusion of all nations, of all people groups, of everybody. But it's not just a geographical expansion. It's a challenge to the church to really sort of go beyond what they themselves would naturally do and their own comfort zone. So if that is correct, if Jesus had said to his disciples, and it's, to my mind at least, it's inconceivable that these same people would not remember those words of Jesus. So Jesus had said to them, go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And now we read, the Gentiles received the word. Incredible then. Says, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. So often, uh, we can become so familiar with Jesus' words that we actually forget what he was actually saying, or they lose their impact on us. Or perhaps what is worse is uh, either we want to apply our own sort of cultural criteria, our own prejudice, or reinterpret the scriptures to, to fit into our culture or what we want to do. I don't think any of us today have a problem with the Gentiles here in the gospel. But perhaps in other areas, if we go back to the very basics of what Jesus was saying to his church, maybe there are areas we can say, actually, we haven't fully obeyed. And so I just want to leave us with that challenge because it's very easy to criticize the Jews of the first century, saying, well, we never would have done that, or I never would have done that. Um, but yet again, Jesus constantly calls us to, to go beyond what we would just naturally do ourselves. Does that make sense? That requires a conscious effort. It requires a constant reminding ourselves, a constant questioning. Am I really living as Jesus calls me to live? And it's a challenge. And so I just want to leave us with that. I know uh, this is a church that has a long history and a good history of being involved in missions. Um, but perhaps each of us as well can say, well, am I just comfortable being part of a missionary church? Or is there something that I need to be doing more? 
uh, in obedience to Jesus' words. So may we uh, develop the habit of listening afresh to Jesus' words, not losing the impact that they had. I mean, it was scandalous in that cultural context what happened, and yet so wonderful. And so uh, encourage each of us to, to hear afresh the word of the Lord, to be challenged afresh, and then just have that wow factor as we see what God is doing uh, both here and in other parts of the world. So thank you very much again. I'll hand back to Gordon, and thank you again for the invitation.